Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's December 31st, 2021, and you are invited to join me and two of my dearest friends and my longtime co-hosts, Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer, as we finally, finally round out the year 2021. I don't know about y'all, but I am more than ready to put this year to bed. We figured that this would be a great moment in time to reflect back on what we have learned this year. So the three of us are going to share that conversation with you, along with some of our favorites from this year, including things that we watched, things we listened to, and the things that we read in the past year that were standouts. I know that you're going to love this conversation, and I can't wait to hear what was awesome in your life this year, too. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes, to the show that's all about helping you find conversation, friendship, and community. We are so glad that you have found your way to the most amazing community of women on this planet. You can find our community online on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. That is where the heart of our community is. You can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. And if you are digging what you hear today on Sorta Awesome, we'd love to have you subscribe so that you never miss an episode in the year to come. Kelly and Rebecca, we did it. We made it through the end of 2021. Hello, my friends. Hello. Hello. Good gravy. I was just saying recently to somebody that I was looking back at pictures, as we do at the end of the year, of the last year, and I came across New Year's Eve 2020. And there was so much sweet hope shining in my innocent little eyes. Yes. I was like, this I is know. it. Not the finish line, but I can see the finish line. This is it. It's changing. There are vaccines. Summer's going to happen. Like things are going to happen. And good Lord, it's not true. None of it was true. I believed in a bag of lies. <laughs> oh, we were all deceived. I know. Rebecca, was 2021 harder or better than 2020 for you? I'm super curious. Oh, goodness. You know, okay. Truthfully, I think it was harder in a lot of ways because I experienced something that Kelly recently was talking to me about, which is the stress of the pandemic plus. It's like the yes. plus of all those other extra things. So 2020 right. was filled with so much stress that was all pandemic related. And good golly, that was hard enough, right? But sure. then in yes. 2021, it feels like 
there was other things that all those plus items yes. that got piled on top of us that mm-hmm. I feel like my mental health in, I mean, in 2020, it was not great, but in 2021, <laughs> can it go like, lower than zero? It's like, I mean, it's not so good, guys. It's not so good. And I really the pandemic know. didn't quit. That's the problem, right? That's so the thing. We all thought, well, now we start to pick up the pieces. But it's like trying yes. to pick up the pieces in the middle of the birthday party that's still going on. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. That is all true. And I'm sure so many people who are listening feel the same way. Like 2020, we were kind of still in a state of shock. So you're just operating in survival mode. You're in shock. Everyone collectively was just trying to get through. And then 2021, all of the wheels fell off of all of the things. (laughs) We were run amok in 2021. And I think there was some beauty in the fact that we were kind of all in it together in 2020. It was universal. I'd heard this term that we're all in the same storm, but we're maybe in different boats. Like that's how we were experiencing the pandemic. People who were frontline workers, like their boat looked different. Sure. Yes. Super young kids, their boat looked different. People who had to postpone their weddings, their boat looked different. It was all the same storm. But I feel like that collectiveness unity wasn't really jiving in 2021. And then we had all of our own individual plus stuff starting to Totally. Totally. That's a great way to put it. And I think that that's very, very accurate for people across the spectrum of the experience of 2021. But hey, listen, it wasn't all bad. We definitely, our literal job here at Sort of Awesome is to find the awesome in the everyday, no matter how stressful and hmm, long suffering the days may be. And so We do have some awesome from the year that we want to share with you, some things that we're going to talk about later in the show, things that we watched and read and listened to that we love. We definitely, I think all of us, as we look back on 2021, we recognize, yeah, this was a really hard year, but as it turns out, I learned a lot. And so the three of us are going to share with you all some of the things that we learned in the past year. So we have so much great conversation ahead. I do want us to kick off this end of the year episode, as we sometimes do at the end of the year. And that's by not just sharing an awesome of the week, but looking back over the course of 2021, what was awesome of the year for each of us? Kelly, I'm so curious what you picked. What was your awesome of the year for 2021? So I do keep a list. You guys remember, we'll just be honest with the awesomes here, that when we first started to do this, we were like, oh, shoot, what were my awesomes? (laughs) (laughs) What were my awesomes of the week this year? Yes. So it's nice to keep a list now and to go back and be like, oh, yeah, you know what my awesome of the year really was? It was something that I said back in May. It was a podcast series on the Kelly Corrigan Wonders podcast. Oh, yes. And it was all about how to make the most of family life. She talks to the two Annas. That's how she would phrase it. It's Anna Quinlan and Anna Sale. So Anna Quinlan is older than Kelly Corrigan, Mm -hmm. is an empty nester. So she comes at this whole series with that perspective. And then Kelly Corgan has kids who are in school, high school, that age. And then her the other Anna was Anna Sale, who hosts, if you don't know, Death, Sex and Money. And also she wrote a book called Let's Talk About Hard Things. And she has little kids before school. So they have these conversations, if you don't remember, about family life, but from these three different perspectives. And they talk about things like forgiveness, Mm. misunderstanding things that change, grief. Mm. I mean, these sound hard, but at the same time, they're not necessarily like really heavy shows. They're like the smartest women in your life 
having a very frank and casual conversation that you get to eavesdrop on about how these big, deep issues change in your family, the family that you came from, your family of origin, and also the family that you might be creating right now. It was so good. And I was just thinking, I probably am going to go back and listen to it. I don't re-listen to many podcasts, but that one felt so interesting. Each of them read something that they have written about these topics, oh, by the way. I didn't say so that. That's so good. Yeah, so they each bring something. They're like, let's talk about grief. Bring something that you have written, because they're all writers, about grief. And then they read it and then discuss it. And then it, the conversation goes from there. Yeah. So it's really good. If you missed that back in May, I highly recommend it. This would be a great time of year, too, to revisit that one or to check it out for the first time. Because, you know, here we are, holidays, You've been smack dab faced with all the stuff with family, or maybe you're just thinking about intentions that you want to set in the new year. This is a great churning of the wheels, a way to get you thinking about what's really going on and what do I see in my own life and what do I see in the lives of people around me and how do I grapple with that in a real way? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Love it. Thank you so much, Kelly. I do remember you talking about that. What a perfect pick for the end of the year. Rebecca, what about you? What was awesome of the year? for you this year. This year, I'm picking something that I feel like got some of the most hype and excitement from the awesomes that they really embraced this awesome of the week. And it is the chocolate cherry cake with fudge glaze icing. Mm. I shared this in the end of January on episode 277. And I was sharing it as maybe a potential homemade dessert option around Valentine's Day. That's right. And so many people were making this and tagging me on Instagram. And I was like, oh, my goodness, the awesomes are (laughs) truly listening to me. And they're loving this recipe. (laughs) Yes. So just like a little reminder, if you haven't checked out the recipe, we'll have it in the show notes, of course. But it's so simple because you just take a basic chocolate cake mix, the chocolatier, the better, the fudgier, the gooier, the better. And then you add a can of cherry pie filling to it. And it just is so moist. <laughs> but I mean, it is. <laughs> is. It, it is. is. Like there's you no other way to word. describe it. I had right. to say it. But it's so good. It's so simple and easy to make. And it, It just brought me a lot of joy to see how much other people were enjoying this simple homemade dessert this year. So fun. I'm glad you reminded me of that. And I do remember lots of awesome saying like, oh, my gosh, so good. Thank you for sharing this. We share really good recipes here. It's almost never me sharing those. You (laughs) two bring some really good ones for sure. Okay. well, as I say every single year, you guys, you have a dozen-ish, maybe more, maybe less to choose from. I have over 50 that I'm looking through. And of course, because I'm me, I'm like, oh, that was awesome. Oh, no, wait, that was awesome. That was so great. And then I, it takes me a long time to decide. But for my awesome of the year, this year, I am going with my vanity desk that I got this past spring. I talked about this. I got it from Wayfair. I got it It must have been the spring sometime because I talked about this on episode 289, which was in April of 2021. It is the Lightner vanity set with stool and mirror from Wayfair. Now, I do have to say it's currently out of stock. However, Wayfair has a ton of similar setups. But I love this little desk so much. As I said when I was talking about it back in April, 
I cannot believe you guys that I have been working from our bedroom, my recording studio slash home office from our bedroom for six years, almost seven years. And I've never had a desk of my own in here. This is the perfect size. It just goes right beside the bed. Now, it does come with a little stool. The stool promptly broke. I'm just going to be super honest about that. (laughs) It was not made to last the test of time. So when that broke, I actually put a real office chair in here. It's a tight squeeze. It's not a pretty setup, but I love it so much. I keep a vase with flowers on it. I have a Mary statue in here that's really important to me. I have some fresh flowers and plants and then books. And then I use it for makeup. I use it for work. Daisy comes in every morning before school to use because it has a lighted mirror. She loves that. She puts her makeup on in here. But I cannot believe that I waited this long to have one dedicated space of my own in here, especially for getting work done. This has helped me to realize my bigger desire, my bigger dream is having a room of my own, a la Virginia Woolf, an office room, maybe with some recording space in it, some actual official recording space. Who knows when that might happen? I'm putting it out into the universe that I would very much welcome that into my life. But just having the little desk has been so awesome for me this year. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the one that I got. Like I said, right now, as we're recording, it's out of stock. But they have a ton of them that you can look at over at Wayfair. So that was awesome for me this year, you guys. Thank you guys for picking some of the ones that were really standouts for you in the past year. We definitely want to hear from the awesomes. What was awesome for you? You guys, I think this is the first time I'm almost positive this is the first time that the actual end of the year, the 31st of December, is on a Friday. So we can really, as we ask our community, what was awesome for you this year? It feels like we're kind of tying it up with a gold glittery bow. So we would love to hear from you in our Facebook community at the Sword Awesome Hangout on Facebook. Also, we'll be talking about it over on Instagram at Sword Awesome Show. So come and find us and tell us what was awesome for you this year. Oh my gosh, we have so much, you guys. Just pour a cup of coffee or mulled wine, or if you have eggnog left from the holidays, pour yourself something to drink, put your feet up. We've got a lot to get into. We're going to talk about what we've learned this year when we come right back. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, as we're thinking ahead to 2022, maybe you're like me and you're wondering if getting a little outside help, a little outside perspective could help you have the best year yet in the year ahead. Well, BetterHelp can help. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas, but this service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room 
like you do with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com slash sorta. That's better H-E-L-P. And join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Again, that special offer for Sorta Awesome listeners is get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash Sorta. Hey, Awesomes, you know Bomba's mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So this holiday, when you gift Bombas to someone on your list, you're also giving them to someone in need. It's a give-give. Bombas designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a luxuriously cozy feel. They're made from super soft materials like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cashmere, which makes them the perfect cozy winter layers. And there's a pair of Bombas socks for everything you do. They come in performance styles for every sport, holiday styles for when you're feeling festive, and lots more. Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and the perfect weight, so they hang just right. Bombas underwear has a barely there feel with second skin support that might make you forget they're even there in a good way. Bombas are the coziest gifts for everyone on your list. And thanks to their festive gift boxes, you don't even have to wrap them. All you have to do is the giving. Socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters in that order. That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. Bombas are made to be the perfect gift and made to give back to those in need. So happy giving. Go to bombas.com slash awesome and get 20% off of your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash awesome for 20% off bombas.com slash awesome. All right, Kelly and Rebecca, first of all, I'm so thankful for this idea, for this approach. Kelly, was this your idea to talk about what we learned this year? Yeah. I was just thinking, I have learned some things and you said it well in the introduction, Meg, that really that's a good way to reframe hard years sometimes is none of us want hard things, but if we can use that as kindling for growth, then that's a good thing. And of course, I'm not trying to be like toxic positivity here and be like, it's all used for something. But that is something that has helped me this year to look back and say, okay, be it silly or be it really foundational. There have been things that I've learned out of the mess that was 2021. And so that's a good thing. Let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate it. I totally agree. Rebecca, let's start with you. What are some of the things that as you look back over 2021, what are some things you learned this year, my friend? Okay, well, some silly, some serious. Let's get started. Thanks to Katie from the Currently Reading Podcast, I learned how to lock my Kindle with a password. (laughs) She reached out to me after our confessions <laughs> episode where I confessed to my son finding a swear word in one of my <laughs> romance novels. And she's like, oh, girl, let me help you. You can put a password on your Kindle. And she showed me how. That was important. Yes. That was something I needed to learn this year. Also related to that, I also learned how to hide photos on my iPhone because I often oh. will take screenshots 
of book recommendations. And uh-huh. you guys know, I only read romance. And some of those covers are so trashy looking. And <laughs> when my kids borrow my phone, or if I'm like, showing pictures to grandma, like the last thing I yes. need is for some right. like shirtless buff man to be one of my pictures. So I learned right. how to hide those on my phone. It's not hard. Okay. You're going to have to show me later on <laughs> how to do that. I never have done that. I've had yes. No, it's really life. smart. So just hide him. It's in a hidden album then, right? Yes. Rebecca? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. I also learned the importance of researching a new plant before you buy one because I thought I was buying a plant that was more like short and fat, kind of like bushy. And instead, I have like a four foot long viney thing that I don't know what to do with and did not realize that is what I was purchasing. So that was an important life lesson. (laughs) I also really learned the beauty of catering. Kelly and I talked about this a lot in our November overflow episode that we did together that my Thanksgiving dinner was actually catered. And I also catered a birthday party for my husband's 40th. And there is just such freedom in having a big event, a big holiday, a big something, and the food is completely taken care of. Mm, It was amazing. No secret. I learned how to paint my nails this year. (laughs) <laughs> it is like the big, the big thing I learned how to do, became obsessed with Olive and June. And as I've said before, I purchased my first system from Olive and June back in April when we released an episode of a hall of women owned businesses. And I That's looked right. back in our notes that we were sharing with each other, trying to decide what I was going to purchase for that. And this is what I said. I said, I'm leaning towards Olive and June, but I'm nervous I'll hate it. Nate has <gasps> seen me with painted nails three times in his life. And you guys were like, do it. If you hate it, yeah. great. No big deal. If you love it, what even better testimony? And guys, boy, do I love it. I mean, who would have yes. thought? I know your enthusiasm. Again, I have the problem where I can't paint my nails, but your enthusiasm it's not that I can't do it. It's because of my nails. They can't breathe. I'm sure if I used the Olive and June system, they could teach me how to do it. <laughs> it's just that my nails will reject it. Anyway, your ongoing love and enthusiasm for that company, for their whole system, their education, their products. I yeah. just feel like I'm in the glow of it from afar. Well, and I don't paint my nails either for many reasons, but I have watched Rebecca get into this and also seen many of the colors that she talks about. So I have purchased some Olive and June nail polish for family and friends, you know, just based on you can get it in a lot of places now. So yeah, I have really become a convert, even though I'm not using it myself. Totally. Because of you, Rebecca. Because of you. you. I'm really good at obsessing over something and I am obsessed. You really are. It's one of my superpowers. So if anybody else wants to become obsessed, we will have a promo code in the show notes that you can get 20% off, which you have to use. It will knock off a lot. Okay, so on the more serious side, I feel like I also learned a lot about grieving something that's a little more ambiguous than than mm-hmm. death. You know, mm, we did yes. an episode quite a while back, Meg, where we talked about grieving around the holidays and you talked a lot about grieving beyond a person, like the loss of a marriage, a divorce, or we've talked about, you know, grieving, maybe even a job or something. But for myself, personally, I have not experienced as much grief that's like ambiguous in that way. 
until I would say this year and like most recently. And it's a result of me leaving my church. And I will be honest that we still don't know quite how that's all going to pan out. But I am really grieving my church and I see it. I can very clearly name that I am walking through some intense grief and that it's not just oh, I'm kind of bummed about it or this was hard. Like, this is grief. And there's some things that I have done, steps that I've taken to kind of even like protect myself in that grief. One example I can give is maybe if your church does baby dedications or child dedications and then you have somebody who has experienced child loss or a miscarriage, I know people who have opted out of attending that week. They're like, Mm -hmm. I can't go. I can't watch this for some reason. Mm -hmm. This is just too hard for me. This is a trigger. Well, I have found that in my own path, but with church, that baptism Sunday is super hard for me. All Mm -hmm. I do is sit there and and grieve. Literally, that's Mm -hmm. what the experience is. I feel a loss of where are my children going to be baptized if, you know, they make that choice. It's a lot of complex feelings. And I think that this has even opened my eyes to maybe other times in my life where I was grieving a community or grieving Mm. like the end of a life experience that I didn't quite recognize it as much as grief in that moment, but that it really is. And I don't know quite how we can support our friends or our family when they're going through something that's more ambiguous like this. I don't know what the answers to that is, but. Grief is a real thing, even if it's not tied to the loss of an actual person or an sure, individual. Yeah. So that has been a big thing that I'm learning, as well as just be more sensitive to others who have left churches for various mm. reasons. I think I can say I was always judgy about that in my mind. I just didn't understand. And now that mm. I've been mm-hmm. walking through this process, my eyes have just been opened a lot. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I know you're by far not the only person who found themselves in that very specific grief this year, not having ever anticipated that they would be there. So I'm so glad that you did feel like you could trust that to our community, because again, I'm confident you're not the only one. Well, I'm going to take a real hard turn here and end on something a lot more lighthearted. (laughs) Okay. But one last thing that I learned in 2021 is that the symbol of an upside down pineapple is used for the swinger community. Did you guys know this? What? <laughs> yeah, I did know Swing- that. You did know that? How did I not know this? Am I out of the swinger community loop? I feel so I like FOMO this? now. I feel like I personally learned this on TikTok, but it may have been in my consciousness before that. Okay. Kyle and I are not swingers. Nobody go into that <laughs> realm. That I don't know from personal experience, but I do know the pineapple is the symbol. So my husband and I went on a vacation this year and we were part of a Facebook group for the location that we were going to. And people were talking a lot about pineapples at this resort and people wearing like pineapple swim trunks. And we're like, what is going on here? Well, we find out through this Facebook group that an upside down pineapple is a signal to those around you that you are open to swinging. And We did not know this until right before we left. And what do you know? My husband had purchased a shirt from Old Navy that has little pineapples all over it. And some of them are upside down 
And he's like, oh, I'm going to wear this. It's going to be so funny. I'm going to be offended if I'm not hit on. Like, this is actually like, uh-huh. you know, like, <laughs> like, we'll just see what happens. But I better be hit on because, you know, if I'm not, like, why not? <laughs> so he wears this. Nobody hits on him. Okay. He, nobody hits on him. He wears it then another day. <laughs> and while we're out, he's making conversation with another couple. And that couple, he catches the wife, like, elbow the husband and signal to Nate's shirt about the pineapples. And all of a sudden, Nate was like, oh, no, 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 no. I thought this would be funny. This is not funny. I am walking. Literally stop talking. He completely walked away, turned his back to the couple. He's like, I cannot let them think that I am trying to do anything. I was just being friendly. This is not. No, this is I am uncomfortable with this. That is hysterical. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is too funny. This is so many levels of funny, but I'm mostly laughing at Nate being pre-offended that nobody <laughs> was going to Or that he's throwing it out there. He's like, I'm going to yes. wear this because I now know what it means. It would have been funny enough if he didn't yeah. know he wore it and somebody was hitting on him. But the idea that he knew and wore it anyway to be <laughs> yes. like, I'm going to throw this out there. It's like taking your wedding ring off and going into you know a bar and being like, <laughs> if I don't get at least three phone numbers by the night that I can then reject... <laughs> I will have failed. <laughs> yes. That's so funny. Yeah. He's a pretty funny guy. But when he Bush is. came to shove, he was not up for the task. <laughs> no. Yeah. He had a little pineapple panic there, <laughs> but it got a little too real. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Rebecca. That is such a good list. So many great reflections on this year. So much to learn. Kelly, how about you? What are some things that stand out to you that you learned in the past year? Okay. So... I, probably many of the awesomes, learned about how to better clean my house from Go Clean Co. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. That was like a whole thing. I mean, I I know that she kind of rose into prominence on Instagram in 2020, but then we were all stuck at home. And so we were like, okay, what am I doing? What do I need to do better? What have I never thought about before? So one of the things that she is a big proponent of that has truly changed how I clean is to vacuum your bathroom before you clean it. The idea being that you have hair and lint kind of stuff, you know, from towels or whatever everywhere. And that when you try to wipe it up, it just becomes, which is true. If you ever cleaned your bathroom, you're like, I'm wiping this and it's just smearing. I can't get it off. It's just moving around. So she's like, just take your vacuum in there for just two minutes beforehand with a wand Yes. And vacuum things first. And it's going to make your cleaning job so much easier because then you really are just cleaning the baked on toothpaste globs and the spots right. and things and theoretically the germs as well. The, the things that can't be mentioned that are all over the toilet. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. So that is revolutionary because it was frustrating sometimes to be cleaning and you're like just moving around here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. And listen, you have daughters mm-hmm. and... I have daughters and we you know, just we the have hair long hair everywhere. Yep. Both of our bathrooms, the hair is a constant problem. So that's so smart. Yeah, it really does make a difference. It really does make a difference. The other thing that I learned, this is bathroom related and this is kind of gross, you guys. I don't know if I need a trigger warning on this, but Bring it. I did not know how to remove my bathroom sink stoppers or in some of my shower drains. They don't just pull out, right? Like you can pull them up. But I have now for years, and again, we're going with long hair people, right? Yeah. Yes. We've lived in our house now for 10 years. I have gone through a lot of Drano. 
Uh, you know, like every few months, the bathroom sinks in particular and my kids' bathrooms would just get really slow or the shower. I could hear through the door that when they're in the shower, it sounded like it was raining on a pond. And I'm like, are you standing in water? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> like inches. And they're like, it's up to my ankles. And I'm like, OK, that's not supposed to happen. That's not how showers work. So when that's happening, you need to tell me. It's up Kids, to my man. ankles. It's up to my ankles. They're like, what? It's been worse than this, mom. <laughs> I mean, and you know how gross it is? It's like floating with oh, I know. and I'm like, I'm fully familiar. Makes yes. me want to gag. So yes. I was like, we need to do something. Obviously, throwing half a bottle of Drano down these drains every few months is not working. So I went online, Googled to the rescue and was like, how each one was a little different of how do I actually remove my drains so that I can get in there? Yeah. Of the actual process of getting stuff out of drains... I can't really talk about without retching. I'm going to pass out right now. So just be prepared. I'm having a hard time because I literally was just cleaning out my drains yesterday. I wasn't having like PTSD. I wasn't using proper tools. A butter knife was involved. It's not like what I should have been doing. But I feel very seen and also, again, (laughs) re-triggered. Also re-triggered. Exactly. In a way, it's just like all those things that are gross, but oddly satisfying, you know? Yeah. Again, Both of my daughters have hair down to almost their waist. So long hair, things that were in my drain had been there a long time. I didn't have to take plumbing apart, but you know, like it did take pliers, needle those pliers to pull things out. But then you guys, it's work. I think it probably needs to be done more than once every 10 years, but it's not (laughs) like I'm doing it every, every month. Yes. So I was really proud of myself. I have to say like, this was one of those things where I was like, I did not know how to do this. None of these learning how to take them apart were super complicated. You know, like, seriously, this is like a five minute YouTube video at the most and a few tools. And then it was done. And I felt I can do things. Yes. You know, Rosie the Riveter over here. Exactly. Bathroom trades. Also, just so you know, when Julie was on the show recently, Julie Tepperman, one of her TikTok things that she bought, she was like, TikTok influences me. There's like a drain cover that you can put over the top that as a preventative, now yes. that you've gone to all of the work of cleaning out the drain, you can just pop these things over it. They lay on top of your actual drain and catch the hair before it can get you that drain wookie going again. Yeah, that's so. super smart. And I do have one of my drains. It comes out really easily and it has this long piece of metal that goes into the pipe as like a hair catcher. So that works really well if you have yeah. that kind of a drain. But again, every right. drain in my house is different. So it's just yeah. how it works. So clean your stoppers in your bathtubs and your sinks if you want to put that on your resolution list for 2020. Just before know that there may be getting in, involved. Yeah, before it turns into the shower exactly. situation. Exactly. So a few serious things I've learned. As most Austin's know, my mom has Alzheimer's. I have learned so much about Alzheimer's, of course, because you have to. But one yeah. of the things that I've learned that has been, I don't know how to say this exactly, interesting, hopeful, is how to walk along with somebody who is on this journey in a way that, of course, you're grieving and it's sad, but that can also be meaningful. It's one of those things, I feel like one of the other things this is in tandem with learning about death this year. My list is so cheery, you guys. But I have done a lot of reading about death, about aging and that process and thinking this is a normal thing that happens in life. And for me, it's been good because the way I grew up, 
we didn't talk about death. And in fact, just because my parents sincerely believed this, they weren't trying to lie to us. I don't want to talk about it. But if we asked about death, they'd say, we're all going to be raptured where none of us will die. So we don't have to talk right. about it. We're not going to die. Yeah. The end. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't something that I've ever really done a lot of thinking about. And of course, being the personality that I am, it's not something I really want to think about. But being at the stage of life I am thinking about how do we have these conversations? How do we honor this real life experience? And it actually being, you're talking to friends who have also lost loved ones in the last couple of years, you're like the holiness of being with people as they're dying. Yes. It's like being with someone when they're giving birth. So Hmm. it's been really cool. And one of the things about Alzheimer's in particular is just to write down the stories of the things that they do that, like you said, Meg, it's it's like in the moment, it maybe isn't funny, but it is funny. My sister left me a message just the other day and was like, yeah, I went and got mom a few things, just like some M&Ms and some bananas. And I had to get her more lotion because she put peanuts in hers. And Mm. she just went on. And I started, Mm -hmm. I busted out laughing. And I was like, yep, because she put peanuts in hers. That's the stage we're at. We find the prunes in the shower and we find her soap in the fridge. Like when we go every few days, we have to just put things back because I think I said even on one, maybe it was an overflow that she was putting her milk into the Nestle Quick tub and then just putting it back in the cupboard. So, you know, we get there, we're like, what smells so bad? (laughs) Oh no. But writing these things down, this person is no longer maybe the same as what you remember of the loved one, but it's still an interaction that you're having with a human. And it's someone who you care for and you're caring for. And so you can remember some of these quirky little stories of what it was like at the end. And I've read some other people's and I can see how it's not a we're keeping these stories because in some sort of a dark way, it's an honoring of that person. This is how it was at the end, Yeah, you know, and just like we write down the funny things that our kids say when they're little, that they don't know what they're saying or the, the fact that they throw tantrums over the fact that you dared give them a blue sippy cup when that is right. all that they've wanted for four years, you know, and then they're like, why would you give me that? It's the same yes. idea. It's a treasuring yeah. of the moment where we are. That's like learning how to be present, which is a whole thing I could do a show on. I've learned that a lot about that in the last few years. And the other thing that I've learned a ton about, and actually make, I feel like maybe we need to talk about doing a show on this in 2022, is executive functioning. Oh, yes. I've been learning about that for my own self and for at least one of my children. Yes. So I have a couple of children who that's what I would say is the cornerstone of their struggle. So if you don't know what executive functioning is, it's basically the part of your brain that enables you to do a lot of organization and day-to-day, quote-unquote, adulting, Mm -hmm. being able to stay motivated, being able to remember things, even having a system of organization to be able to say how you can get things done. And it's been one of those things that I feel like has been a little bit overlooked or not talked about much in society, maybe because we just didn't have the words, maybe because it often falls under ADHD sorts of things. Sure. But it doesn't have to be the same diagnosis. Oftentimes they are. People with ADHD often struggle with executive functioning, but you don't have to have ADD or ADHD to struggle with executive functioning. Yeah, yeah. So just learning like what it looks like on the outside, especially in American culture, is laziness, disrespect. Why can't these people just get it together? They don't care about anybody else, that sort of thing. And that's not what is happening in their brain. So it has been revolutionary to me, and again, creating compassion in me to recognize how many different ways brains work and to say, this is a real struggle. 
it's not something people are making up. Just like we used to, you know, people would be like, I'm anxious or I'm sad. And now we would say, these are anxiety, these are depression. These are things that are really can be debilitating. I feel like we're moving that direction with executive functioning. And you're like learning to say, this is a thing that people struggle with. There are absolutely ways there's scaffolding that we can do to help. But learning about that has been so good for me as a parent, for sure, because kids with executive function issues look different and they act different and different techniques are used, needed to help them when they're struggling. But it's also just with people around me. It's again, the more I learn about how unique we all are, the more in awe I am of each of us, of the humanity that walks around. In fact, there is a word, I just read a book called The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. And it is a book about creating or resurrecting words from other languages or our past about words that give voice to an emotion that Mm. we all have maybe, but we don't have a word in English that gives it. So there's a word called sonder. And it is the feeling of walking in a crowd or being out and realizing that each person that you see right now has their own unique and amazing life and feeling that connection of Uh we're all so unique, but we're all unified. Yep. So I've been growing in my feeling of sonder because of learning about executive functioning. I love that. I often have that feeling when I'm driving the kids to school in the morning and we're like all moving this morning rush hour together, looking at cars next to you and like they're doing, they're living their own life. They're going their own place. We're doing our thing. It's kind of cool to think about. Also, I do think one of the biggest gifts of like, I'd say the past 10 years, maybe longer, is this exploration of neurodiversity and that brains are so different and that that doesn't make any of them bad or damaged or anything like that. So I love that you're speaking to that and learning about it. It's really, really eye-opening. All right. Let me tell you that I broke down what I learned, the highlights of what I learned, because gosh, we're going to have many hours of conversation. I'm sure all of us could, what we've learned in this year. But I broke mine down into three categories, what I learned from my mind, what I learned from my body, what I learned from my soul. So body-wise, I am amazed that I am 44 years old. I've had five children. I am still, you guys, I'm still learning about the wonderful, sometimes frustrating, sometimes mysterious, fascinating way that our body works. So we were just talking about brains, right? But just like learning even more and experiencing more about how our bodies work, I learned the experience of losing a pregnancy at nine weeks, which is something that I had never experienced before. And again, the heartbreak of that, but also the holiness that I experienced in the midst of all of that. As I shared on the confession show, I learned how to (laughs) remove a flex menstrual disc that I was convinced I was going to have to go to the ER to have removed. <laughs> a true And true also victory. the true victory. Yes. The, probably the biggest victory of the year <laughs> was getting that removed. I did also learn that the people at Flex, as I shared with Rebecca on that episode, the people at Flex very nice and have talked a lot of women through getting a disc unstuck, as it were. Um, I'm cringing right now. I just want you to know, like my legs are crossed very tightly. <laughs> Yes, I learned there's a very specific technique that works for me and my cervix to get that disc out. (laughs) But on a bigger note, I really am learning. I have learned, am learning, and I know I have a lot more to learn that perimenopause, these years leading up to menopause, this is so real. 
I knew it was on the horizon. Of course, it's like this monolithic thing that we know that women go through. We see our mothers, grandmothers, aunts, women in our lives go through. To begin to really experience it in earnest has been a big learning experience. And so I learned that a lot of the mood swings and some things that we think of menopause, we think of hot flashes. Well, I haven't yet entered into the hot flash stage and I don't know if I will. I don't know if everyone does. But the emotional component, the mood swings, all of that is all connected to these pretty big changes that are happening in my body with hormones and with aging and those types of things. So I did something that I knew I needed to do for a long time that I've been putting off. I made an appointment with a hormone specialist who specializes in guiding people all across all gender spectrums through understanding what's going on with hormones and had an amazing appointment with him. He was so compassionate and so supportive and got me started in some directions with some some things to help me kind of feel like, okay, this doesn't have to be this wildly out of control time in my life. And I actually got this idea from the Hangout. And Awesome had started a conversation thread in there and was basically saying, I think she was getting ready to turn 40 and had asked, what do you wish that you would have known as you were going into your 40s. And one of our awesomes said, I wish I would have known that you do not have to suffer through menopause, that there are very specific and very helpful treatments out there and you don't have to suffer. And I, that was sticking in my mind as I realized like, I need to get a little support in this area. So I've learned so much about my body and that this does not have to be a time of suffering, although life can't just be about avoiding suffering, but there's ways that we can work with what's available to us to make it a little bit maybe smoother transition into this next chapter of life. So that's a big thing that I learned for body. For my mind, this was a huge revelation to me that it's going to not sound that, that big of a deal when I say it out loud. But I learned that I really do better mentally when I am very limited in my time on social media. I read this article this past fall in The Atlantic by Ian Bogust. I think it's his last name. And the title of the article is, People Aren't Meant to Talk This Much. <laughs> Which, <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> I doubt right? that. <laughs> I'm an extrovert. You guys are extroverts. We talk a lot. <laughs> We're like, this feels a little bit like you're stepping on my toes, Ian. Yeah. I don't what are you saying? It. Is this like the teachers saying they talk a lot? But what was the point? <laughs> Apparently, it was also about social media, not just talking, talking. Yeah. It was. It goes back to that theory that humans have the capacity to know about 150 people. They have the capacity to care about 150 people. And that because of social media, we have all of these connections and we're spread so thin. But in this article, he actually pointed to a social researcher named Paul Adams, who wrote in his book that we talk to the same small group of people again and again. More specifically, people tend to have the most conversations with just their five closest ties. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. Here I am. I'm a person who created and leads a community of thousands and thousands of women. I am an extrovert. I have been working in the online space for over 10 years. I do have a lot of connections. But when it comes down to my daily conversations and like who I reach out to and text when things get really difficult or I need some support or something amazing happens, it really is about five people. And so I feel really conflicted about this because obviously I'm in the industry of having a social media component to it. But Kelly, you kind of mentioned 
how this concept of being like really present has really, I know this has kind of been a theme for you over the years. I try to just like really be present with the fact that the less I am on social media and the more I'm concentrating on individual connections and individual conversations, the happier I am. So I think this is why I genuinely love that this year we created for our superstars, our texting. We have a texting number where we can just text back and forth with the superstars. Rebecca, I know you've enjoyed playing around with this too. It's like my new favorite thing about my job is that I get to do this. Yes. I will say that Rebecca very graciously took over texting for a while while I was going through some stuff with my parents and their health. And I think you're a little reluctant about giving back the phone with the texting number. I'm still mad about it. I'm still mad about it. (laughs) But truly, I'm giving myself so much permission to be like, for me personally, and I do think it's because I'm an ENFP and we tend to be really stimulated by a lot of external things in our environment. Plus, I'm an Enneagram 9 and we tend to be like really effusive with our energy, like we're not very solid. And so the more time I and energy I put into social media, the more I tend to feel so spread so, so, so thin. And the less I'm on there, the more I feel solid and really myself and not spread so thin. I don't know. I know I'm saying it and a lot of people are like, wow, it's taken you a long time to come around to what most of us already do. But it just has been such a relief and so much. I just feel like I've given myself so much permission to just be like, you know, it's okay if I'm not talking to all of the people all the time every day. The world keeps spinning and it's fine. And I can still do my job. In fact, it helps me to do my job better when I'm more solidly myself and more deeply connected with myself. Yeah, I think that there's a difference between knowing something in your head, though, and knowing it experientially. And what you're saying is, Maybe you would have said, yeah, like social media, it can be a problem or, you know, whatever. But learning how it applies specifically in your life and where the limits are is something that's totally different. Totally. Yes. So good and so true. Okay. Last, soul. I kind of already alluded to this in our conversation about the books, our favorite books from the year that just came out with Katie Proctor earlier this month. And I have to tell you all, I will say it again. And Kelly, I know you have to be laughing about this, but I finally read Father Richard Rohr's The Universal Christ. Oh, I read it this year, too. So I don't think it's finally, but it's Meg Teeth's book. I mean, you know, like you have to read it. Yes. You've been talking about Richard Rohr for literally years, maybe as long as I've known you. (laughs) And he's Catholic before before you were Catholic. You know, like I was talking to you about him. Yes. And he's Catholic, obviously, although that's not the reason I was talking to you about him. So, yes. So this is the wait back up. This is the first Richard Rohr book you've read? The first one. And as I told Katie, like he considers this his the culmination of his life work. And so I just basically started at the end with. <laughs> That's with OK, though, Richard because Gordon. there's so many things you can go back and pick up details yes. about other things. But yes, it is. That's a good way to say it. A culmination. Yeah. I learned this year and it's been so good for my soul to realize God, what we call God, the divine. It's so much bigger. He is so much bigger. Love is so much bigger spirituality is so much more expansive than I ever would have thought. And I don't even actually feel like I've gone through any kind of deconstruction of anything over this. As you all know, and as I shared very frankly about several years ago, I feel like I went through my major faith deconstruction like years ago. I just feel like there's just so much bigness to your spiritual life. I know that for now, like what we have 
landed in and becoming Catholic is very comforting to me for a lot of reasons. I think growing up evangelical, I, especially as a Southern Baptist who that denomination tends to be really, really, really mission-minded, like really big about going out and telling people about Jesus and converting people and those types of things. I just finally feel like I am coming into a space where like, I don't feel compelled to convert anyone to anything. Christ, the mystery of Christ is alive around us and has been since the beginning of creation and it will continue on long after we're gone. And that is so amazing. And I don't have to convince anybody of it. It doesn't matter if I can convince anyone of it or not. It's still true. And so that's been a huge thing that I've learned this year that's brought me a lot of comfort and also joy. So that's been really great. Okay, that was a lot. And believe it or not, we're an hour in and we still have more to share with you about what was awesome for us this year. So when we come back, we're going to be talking more the more pop culture things that stood out, things that we enjoyed watching and listening to and reading. We've got more for you when we come right back. Hey, awesomes. The best bacon, the best steak, the best chicken, and the best salmon you'll ever eat is not going to come from the grocery store. You'll only find it on the family farm and caught by independent Alaskan fishermen. And that's why you need moinkbox.com. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door, helping family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and Moink Me is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk that you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. Sign up at moinkbox.com awesome to get a year of bacon for free, and then pick what meats you want delivered in your first box. Change what you want each month and cancel any time. My family loves meat. We eat a lot of it. And every time we have meat from Moink, we are all absolutely blown away by how much better our Moink box meat tastes than anything else we can get at the grocery store. The difference in taste is truly unbelievable. I would love for you to get to experience what we do when you join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com awesome right now and listeners to this show are going to get free bacon for a year. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but it's only for a limited time. That's spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash awesome. That's moinkbox.com slash awesome. Okay, you guys, we are about to start a new year. I hope you're thinking about all of the ways that you can take care of yourself even better in 2022. Sometimes that means booking those appointments with healthcare providers, which I know I hate to book appointments too, but all of that changed when I got ZocDoc. Just download the free ZocDoc app. It's the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance Read verified patient reviews and book an appointment in person or video chat. Never wait on hold with a receptionist again. Whether you need a primary care physician, a dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or another specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com awesome and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. If you're anything like me and just finding a doctor and booking that first appointment is your biggest hurdle to finding the healthcare you need, you are going to love ZocDoc. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com awesome and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as 
as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash awesome. Okay, we are back. We have been talking about the things we learned in 2021, but we thought it would be fun to finish up the year by talking about some of the things that were awesome for us, especially in the realm of pop culture. So we wanted to tell you about some things that we watched, that we listened to, that we read that were really awesome. I will kick us off by talking about the things that we watched. I will say, as I read through the sort of end of the year list for 2021 in TV shows, movies, you guys, I'm so bad at this. Like, Kelly, I know you like to laugh about. Also, I mean, not can you be worse than me? <laughs> I don't think so. You're pretty no. bad, Kelly. <laughs> I'm pretty bad, at, especially watching. Although I will say I did better this year. But what are you saying, Meg? What did you not watch? Well, okay. I will say, as I read through the lists, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much out there that sounds so fascinating that I haven't gotten to. But I did watch Ted Lasso, which... Everyone collectively did, I feel like, and has left. Kelly, speaking of you and watching in your recommendations, I watched Girls 5 Eva, which was so fun. Starstruck is another one that came from the awesome community that I watched that I love. I really love Never Have I Ever Season 2. I've watched that season all the way through twice. It's kind of becoming my go-to comfort rewatch now. I love Davy and her friends and family so much. Such a great series. There's so many that I didn't get to. Only Murders in the Building on Hulu, We Are Lady Parts, the Peacock original about the female Muslim punk band, looks amazing. FX's show, What We Do in the Shadows, which is a vampire show that I cannot believe I have not watched yet. There's like three seasons of it already. So I have some stuff to look forward to for next year. But as I look back on my favorite watch from 2021, hands down has to be Midnight Mass on Netflix, which I don't think either of you guys have watched Okay. I haven't watched it's a single so show good. that you talked about. It's so good. Briefly, it is about what happens to an insular community. It's literally insular in that it takes place on a remote island. This community, when something evil comes to town, the evil is inadvertently brought there by the priest, presides over the village church. And so it deals with Catholicism, especially like this Gothic view on Catholicism, which is, I think, eternally fascinating. But it also just explores the human experience of making mistakes and finding repentance. And most importantly to me anyway, it really grapples with the question of what happens to us after we die, but not in a totally scary way, in a really hopeful way. I will say it's dark, it's gory, it's sad, but it's also beautiful and triumphant. I watched it months ago and I'm still thinking about that show. It's so well done. I loved it so much. Midnight Mass on Netflix was definitely my best watch of the year. So Kelly, how about you in terms of watching? You did do better with watching things this year. I did. I watched so much more than I usually do. It was not just Days of Our Lives, <laughs> although I did watch Days of Our Lives. But then once you know the devil came back to Salem, I kind of yes. dropped a little bit because I was like, I feel like I've seen this before. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes. But you mentioned Girls 5 Eva. That's like near the top of my list. Rutherford Falls was also really good. I went back and watched because you, everybody knows that I'm a sitcom girl. So I'm when I need something that's funny, I'll still just go back and be like, what else had a lot of seasons that was good? So like Community, I watched yes. this year for the first time. I'm almost done with Superstore, like what I can access, you know, shows like that. But my absolute top pick has to be, and this was an awesome of the week recently, The Morning Show on Apple oh, TV. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly so because good. what you just said, Meg, when you're saying like, what am I still thinking about? 
Mm. What kind of pushed me and, and it comes up in my mind. It's that kind of show for me. So this this year was season two. That's what dropped this fall. You can go back and watch season one, which came out pre-pandemic. It was one of those original products that was released when Apple TV first came out. Stars, mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell, like amazing cast. The first season was really all about Me Too and all the different aspects of that. But the second season, which they shot after the pandemic started, it involves some of the pandemic. It certainly is still dealing with Me Too and what that means. Like, how do we look at people shaming, cancel culture, complicity, institutions, family? If there's one complaint about the show, it's that they try to do too much. They're like a Mm. little rolling sticky ball and they just picked up every issue. But I will say the other thing that I thought was really interesting is how they're touching on the pandemic Okay. Because it's starting to happen. Like when the show comes back, you know, there's these stories about this weird virus in China, you know, so oh, it's that kind of foreshadowing where we all know, I mean, and the characters are going to learn too what's happening. But it's yeah. weird to think like this, what they're doing was like real news. I remember yeah. covering the news back then when I remember listening to a long story about the Wuhan virus back yeah. before it had left China. Oh my and gosh. just thinking, wow, yeah. this sounds really bad. So it's interesting to watch, you know, to watch a show of what we all dealt with. But I think for me, of course, it's partly because it's about a morning show, a network TV morning show. The idea of how media grapples with how we cover these things, whether it's the Me Too thing or it's race, because I talk a lot about race, relationships, what is real on camera versus what isn't, just super fascinating. So it's a fantastic show. It's definitely an adult show. It's not, there's a heaviness to it because it's real life. But it's not like there's gore or anything like that. Just a lot of F-bombs, which I would say is true to a newsroom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's right. So, yeah, it's just a really good show. If you have not watched it, it's one that like Ted Lasso inspires me and makes me happy to be a human. I can't say that that's how I felt after the morning show every time, but it was important and it was good and it was well done. And Mm -hmm. they were dealing with really heavy topics. And so I'm really Mm -hmm. glad I watched it. Made me a better human. So good. So good. Rebecca, how about you? Anything that you watched this year that really stands out to you? Okay. Well, apparently I have watched nothing because not a single solitary show that you guys just mentioned have I watched. Not something that you've talked about watching yourself or even the list of shows that, Meg, you're saying, oh, I can't believe I haven't watched this one yet. I have not watched a single thing that you guys have talked about except for Days of Our Lives, but that was when I was in college. That's like the last time I watched that. <laughs> well, Rebecca, to be fair, I know what you've been doing a lot of this year. I was going to say, you've, you've been doing other things, right? Yes. I know. Yes. It just is such a change for me. It really, really is such a drastic change because I used to watch all the things and now I'm watching hardly anything. But I did watch some of my classics that I always have to my reality TV that you will have to pry out of my cold dead hands before I give it up. And I will say that it was a true highlight for me this year to watch shows that traditionally were very, very underrepresented in terms of people of color on in their casting and in their editing and It changed this year. It changed big time. So the first show was Big Brother. They had their very first black 
winner contestant ever. And not yeah. just that, but there was an alliance of six black individuals that came into that house and they made it all the way until the end, which has never happened. When I tell you that the people of color traditionally are voted out first on Big Brother, that is not an exaggeration at all. It has been wow, so cringeworthy and embarrassing to watch. And this year, all six made it to the final six. It was beautiful. It was so redemptive. I loved seeing that historical season. And the same thing in yes. Bachelorette. This season right now that's still currently happening. Well, it'll be over by the time this airs. But Michelle's season of The Bachelorette was the first time that we have ever had a top four that was made up entirely of people of color. Michelle oh, wow. herself, the lead, and her top four contestants at the end, all people of color. Absolutely beautiful to see. It's about dang time. Definitely. Yes. So great. It is, I think that for us to notice it is one thing. I think it's so great that younger generation, our teenagers and young people, to me, it's so awesome to think about this is going to be like the normal for them is that we have diversity and representation and all of these different forms of media. So very exciting stuff. Love it. Okay, let's talk about some of our listens for the year. All of us obviously work in an industry where listening is a big component of it, but we also, you know, just as people like to listen to things. So Kelly, what were some of the things that you listened to this year, whether it was a music or podcast or whatever that stood out to you? I don't even know how to touch podcasts that I listened to this year. It feels like, what did you eat this year? <laughs> it's so overwhelming. I ate a lot. I listened to a lot of podcasts. So I'm going to go to the music genre, okay? So this is not saying that I didn't listen to great podcasts. I just don't know how to choose. So everybody probably got their Spotify wrapped earlier uh -huh, this month, yes, right? Yes. Mine is so lame because I share an account <laughs> with my 13-year-old and she's obsessed with My Hero Academia. So uh -huh. let's just say that my wrapped was a little eclectic. Yes, you know, yes. so she uses it. But the one thing that I listened to a lot on Spotify, and anybody could join this because it's one of Spotify's playlists, is a cleaning kit. It's their cleaning <gasps> kit playlist. What? I've never even seen this yeah. on here. So we'll, of course, share it in the show notes. But it's like an orange background and it has like a mop on it. It says cleaning kit and it's music to help you get through cleaning. So yeah, this is the kind of playlist that you want to listen to when you're cleaning your house. It's very upbeat. It is encouraging. It's motivational. Of course, they're always adding songs to it, but it's songs like Hey Soul Sister, Fireflies. I mean, it has oldies, Hot and Cold by Katy Perry, Crush, Life is a Highway by Rascal Flatts. It's just music that you probably know and you can sing along to. Yes. And it's going to keep you from thinking about what you're doing. That's what I always need when I'm cleaning the house. That's my time to listen to podcasts or listen to music. So lately, I have been putting it on a Bluetooth speaker and I like plant it in the middle of the house. And I just am like, Love you're it. just singing, girl. You're just singing. You're not paying attention yep. to what you're doing. Don't get distracted. You know, <laughs> trying to just focus, focus, focus. Just get it done. Get it done. So I have listened to that playlist so much that my entire family now knows all the songs. Like if they yeah. didn't before, they do. And we kind of know the order because it's a playlist. So we kind of know right. what's coming next. It's just been fun. It's been what got me through a little bit. Those mundane moments of 2021 and made the moment of me sparkling the house sparkle. Yes. This is peak Enneagram 7. 
behavior right here. I love it so much. So fun. I'm definitely going to have to look up that playlist. I cannot believe that I have not seen that because I spend a lot of time on Spotify. In fact, I will go ahead and talk about my listen for the year. Kelly, it's so strange because I would say this was not even my favorite year of podcasts. Now, I still very, very, very loyally listen to my favorites that I've had for years. But this is the first year in a long time that I can't think of any real standouts like in new releases, but maybe I just wasn't as dialed in as I have been in the past. But I did listen to a lot of music. Of course, Adele drops a new album. Taylor Swift is dropping her version album and and all of that stuff. So there was a, a ton of great music for sure this year. Others, I'm sure people are like yelling at their phones, other great <laughs> albums that came out this year. For me, this was the year of Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats, which that's not a surprise to anybody. But you guys, speaking of your Spotify wrapped Kelly, I was laughing when you said that yours is kind of an eclectic mix. Mine is too, especially because my account is connected to our family Alexa. Oh, and yeah. so mine is this weird blend of the music I actually like and then a bunch of K-pop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's like K-pop cool. and it's just theme songs from animes. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I have. There's, I definitely have theme songs from anime on mine too. But I listened to so much Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats this year that Spotify told me that I was in their top 0.5% of listeners this year. Wow. I'm so proud of myself for this achievement. But truly, I listened to Nathaniel Rateliff's solo album that he released last year. That one's called And It's Still All Right. I listened to that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. That was a 2020 release. It's the perfect vibe for 2021 and all of the craziness that this year brought. And then also Nathaniel Rateliff and then Night Sweats. That's when he does his project with the band. They dropped a new album this year. And that album is called The Future. And I've been listening to that a ton. And so this has just been, oh my gosh, like comfort music, but also new, but also not the kind of new where you're like, oh, I wish they weren't experimenting with doing a new thing. It's like totally staying in their lane of why I love them, but it's new material. Does that make sense? <laughs> so that was by far my favorite listen of the year. Rebecca, are you here? Are yeah, you she is. I was going to say she just moved and I was like, okay. it looks very even not like a low resolution. So that's good. Okay, awesome. So we are having some technical difficulties. I don't know yes. what's going on with me and my internet and my audio, but there's been some major delays. So I have opted not to provide any additional commentary to Megan Kelly. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here silently. So I'm not messing up the audio and it's kind of driving me crazy. And if you think to yourself, why is Rebecca being so quiet? Does she secretly hate Megan Kelly? That is not what is happening. <laughs> She's like, I can't believe that those are the things they listen to. <laughs> I'm so judging them. Things I want to say, but anyway, my audio is all messed up. Okay, but let's get through it. Now, my favorite podcast of the year was Under the Influence with Joe Piazza. I made it my awesome of the week in August in episode 325. It's a deep dive into the world of influencers, specifically mom influencers. It is so good. I have felt so seen in some ways that I myself am part of this influencer world, but also it's been so fascinating as somebody who also consumes influencer content. I highly recommend that podcast if you haven't listened to it yet. But my highlight of the year has to be listening to Harry Styles live in concert. Yes. In the same yes. space, <laughs> breathing the same air. I mean, that sounds yep. awful in the world of COVID, but it was a glorious, 
<laughs> She's like, no, I would have put my nose right up next to Harry and been like, give me COVID. It was amazing. It brought me so much joy. And speaking of things that we learned from this year, I would say that learning the importance of having things that bring you joy is also on my list. It was for sure. It was an epic experience. A highlight for sure. Yes. So good. I'm so glad that you somehow worked that in to your year end list. I'll tell you what, one of my favorite conversations of the year, Rebecca, was when you and I had this sort of debrief on one of the awesome overflows after the concert that was really good and really powerful and still thinking about that conversation too. So, I mean, I knew I would cry talking about it. I did not expect you to also cry. (laughs) I also cried about your Harry Styles concert experience. (laughs) So good. All right, finally, let's close this out by talking about the things that we read this year that really stand out as some of our best reads, the things that we really enjoyed. Rebecca, why don't you kick us off on this section? Because I know, my friend, back in 2015, when we started Sort of Awesome, you were usually the one that you're like, "Eh, I don't really do that much reading, not really a reader. Tell the people how many books you read this year. Okay, well, in disclosure, we're recording this before the year is actually done. So, okay, as of mid-December 2021, how many books have you read? 79. 79 books, she says, yeah. coming from somebody who used to be like, eh, I didn't really read much. This That's year. more than one a week. I barely read nine books in a year before, probably. Yeah. All right. Tell us everything. Tell us what were the standouts that you really loved? OK, well, I actually am only going to talk about one book. One I standout. just okay. finished it and it soared to the top of my favorite reads of the year. Oh, it was so good. It, it uh, Okay. It, I'm like stressed out by how amazing this book was. Okay. This book is not going to be for everyone. Let's I'll start with the title. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the book. <laughs> this book has me all flustered. Okay. It is called Heartbreak Warfare by Heather M. Orgeron and Kate Stewart. This book is heavy. It is hard. It is a romance and it is an open door. Open door, meaning that there are some intimate details in the spicy scenes. I would say that if that is something that really bothers you, that you this is a skimmable book, that you could skim those scenes if you wanted to go past them. There are trigger warnings all around for this book. But first, let me tell you that I got this book recommendation off of a TikTok that was talking about a very specific trope of when people are trauma bonded together. And I was like, okay, well, this sounds interesting. I went and I read the synopsis for the book. And the whole synopsis is simply a letter that one soldier is writing to another soldier. And within that letter, you learn some very key things. So none of this is spoilers. But you learn that she is a soldier who goes off to war. She is taken captive, is a prisoner of war. And she is writing to somebody who was held captive with her. They have come home. And she's writing to him to say, I thought that my life coming home would be okay. I thought that my husband and my son would be enough. And it's not. I need to see you one last time. (sighs) Okay. Okay. It's intense, right? So here's some things. Trigger warnings. There's war. There's terrible prisoner of war trauma. There's sexual assault. There's obviously the potential for possible infidelity. These things might not be well suited for everybody. But let me tell you that 
this book was so powerful. It was so heavy. You are rooting for everyone. I feel like when you read a typical romance and maybe somebody's already dating somebody or maybe they're even married, there's always this idea that, well, you don't want that relationship to work out. Like they're actually a bit of a jerk. You know, they're like villainized and you're just waiting for for the breakup. That is not the case in this book. And through every moment of this book, I was like, I don't know who I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for all of them. Mm -hmm. Somebody, if not everybody, is going to walk away from this completely and utterly heartbroken. So the book ends. I am obsessed with this book. I keep thinking about it. Have not started a new book yet because I am living in this world of Mm -hmm. a book hangover to the extreme. I have recommended it to so many other people. All I want to do is talk about this book and all the complexities and nuance to it. This book is gripping. That's what, okay. that's what I have to say about it. It is gripping. All right. It does sound very intense. And that's not usually, I think a lot of times people assume that books in the romance genre are going to be a little light on the emotional impact of it. But it sounds like this is really, really a heavy hitter. Yes, it it is not the feels. It's not a rom com. This book is heavy. Yeah, it was really good. Okay, thank you for that, Rebecca. Kelly, how about you? What stands out for your reads from 2021? Well, I almost said The Universal Christ by Richard Rohr. But since we've already talked about that, I'm going to skip over it. But it is definitely one of the top books of my 2021. Another one that I just have to mention that's going to get honorable mention is Like Streams to the Ocean by Jedediah Jenkins. So I read both of Jedediah's books this year. His previous book was called To Shake the Sleeping Self. And that was the book that was about him riding his bike from Oregon to the very tip of South America. When he turned 30, he had decided that this is something he was going to do. And he, just a quick background on him, is he grew up very evangelical, worked in some, even some missions work, like around the time that he was doing this bike trip. But was kind of going like doing some faith wrestling, doing some family wrestling, is gay and is coming to terms with that, like Mm -hmm. what that means in his family of origin. So as he's riding his bike in to shake the sleeping self all the way down to South America, it's just like his journal. Yeah. So the new book that he wrote called Streams to the Ocean is really just more of his musings on things that he's learned. And it was Mm. just right for me this year. You know, like it was just little essays about family, about love, about friendship, about death about these big things that I think a lot of us maybe are even more grappling with right now. Mm -hmm. But the absolute number one book I have to recommend from this year, because it wrestles with these things, and I absolutely adore the author, is Kate Bowler's new book, No Cure for Being Human, and other truths I need to hear. So if you do not know Kate Bowler, I don't know what's wrong with you. She is (laughs) one of the best humans on the planet. I love her. I just adore her. She was given a stage four cancer diagnosis at the age of 35 and is living with that. So this book is her reflection on what that means. Right now, four years after that, she's still alive, which no one, they really barely gave her a year when she was first diagnosed and she had a toddler. In fact, her first book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved, deals with that. Mm -hmm. So this book is about what happens in the life that you wanted, that you hoped for, that in many ways our culture promises you is like no longer an option. Yeah. You know, you you have a life that you didn't choose. 
And that's true for many of us in different ways, even if we're not looking directly into the barrel of death like Kate is. In fact, we've interviewed her several times at the radio show that I produce. And my favorite thing is, because <laughs> this is the kind of humor that she has, and this is why you will love this book, is that when people at a party do that, like, hey, Kate, how are you? She's like, I'm dying. And you? Yeah. You yes. know, she's just very upfront with it, but she's the most compassionate, wise human who is really, she talks about toxic positivity in this book. I'm not trying to say like, oh, let's just all sum this up. I'm so glad I got more time with my son. Like, no, I don't want to die. But how do I still live facing the reality that I will die probably sooner than many of you who are reading the book? So again, it sounds kind of heavy. And it is because it's dealing with really deep truths. But there is nobody better equipped than Kate Bowler to walk us through these things because she thinks about them and she's honest and she's vulnerable and she has hope. She's not hopeless, even looking in the face of something that's so dire. So this book came out this year. It is one of the ones that I bought to have because it means that much. So good. She's a remarkable human. That's for sure. So I'm so glad you brought that book up. Okay, well, I just gave everybody all of my top picks on that episode with Katie that came out in the middle of December. But I do want to sneak in one last reading experience. I don't even know how to classify this. It's an Audible original, which means you do have to be an Audible member to listen to it. But if you are an Audible member, you do listen to it for free. So you don't have to buy anything. This is a book sort of called Marigold, an investigation of an American haunting. It's by the novelist Sarah Gran. Sarah Gran notably writes thrillers. She has like a whole detective mystery series that she writes. And she's one of those writers that takes the genre of thriller and does bring in a lot of philosophical, mental, emotional impact. So it's more than just your average whodunit. But she created this story. It's only available in audio format. Again, it's on Audible. And it's a conversation between an older man who's like in his 60s, who's a paranormal researcher and a professor, and he's interviewing this character named Anne. And she's telling the story of how she came to be best friends with her house. And her house is what, as she describes it, many people would say is haunted or they have a poltergeist or something like that. It is so disturbing, but also so fascinating not disturbing in a spooky way. Like I thought I was getting a ghost story when I started listening to this. It is much more a psychological exploration. And especially because Anne herself, the woman who's telling the story, and she's like 24, of how it came to be that her house is her best friend is an unreliable narrator. And so you listen through the whole story. And the more she talks, the more you realize there's more going on with Anne than she thinks her house is haunted. The whole production. And it's also a reason I loved it, too, is it's in the context of they're creating a podcast series about it. So he's like interviewing her for what would hopefully become a podcast series. So it's just like listening to these audio tapes. So production wise, it's really fascinating what they do. The narrators are Jason Culp and Zoe Kazan. They do a fantastic job. I mean, just the production values on this is just so great for listening to. It's so creepy. It's so weird. It's not like gory disturbing. It's like mental, like psychologically disturbing. And I will say it is one of the few books that I've read or listened to that at the end, it doesn't wrap things up in a bow. It leaves you with a lot of questions. Again, Mm. we have this unreliable narrator. So at the end, you start to think back, oh my gosh, how much of this was real? And so 
Again, it's called Marigold. If you're an Audible member, you can listen to it. Please, somebody go listen to this so I can talk. I have so many questions about what happened in this book and it's so short, but oh my gosh, it's so good. All right. So you guys, we did it. We did 2021. We did our year in review, pop the champagne, put on the party hats. Here we go. Rebecca's doing a little, little jazz hands, little dance to get us out of this year. Yep. If people want to find us on social media to talk about their favorites, where can we find you, Rebecca, all around the web? You can find me at simplyrebecca.com. And my favorite place on social media to hang out is Instagram. You can find me there at simplyrebecca. Okay, Kelly, how about you? I'm at kellygordonmn.com. And that's very similar to my handle on Twitter and Instagram as well, at kellygordonmn. Okay, you can find me on social media as Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show just by searching Sorta Awesome, no matter what platform you are on. Awesomes, we hope that you had, well, a year filled with learning in 2021. We are wishing you all of the best. We will be keeping you company all along the way in 2022. Thank you all, as always, so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.